0: Let's crack open a beer and share some thoughts. Welcome to Opinions, and we're back in your ears once again. The beer is in the glass, and we're ready to go, aren't we, Martin? Indeed we are, mate. And uh, we're starting off with beer. It's a bit of a favourite
1: of ours, I think. Uh, We've talked about this brewery a few times. We've got a few beers from them. We're kicking off with Utopian British Pilsner tonight. Shall we just dive straight into it and, and, and then talk about it a little bit after? Yes, please. It looks very really inviting. Cheers. Cheers. That is super crisp. Super crisp. I know uh, I should have had the flavour wheel here right now from last week. It would have been perfect because all I want to do is use phrases like bready and lemony right now.
0: Lemony was the first one that <laughs> leapt to my mind as, as well. And, and uh, much the same, I'm like... Damn, we've got a whole wheel of other words there that we can use and we're still reverting to type. <laughs> oh, we're nothing if not consistent then, Steve. This is, this is true. This is true. Now, this is um same beer as it's always been. Uh, it's just undergone a bit of a facelift in in terms of the outside of the can and has been brought up to the the, the newer Utopian branding that, that we're used to seeing on, on on the other cans. And this was part of a launch that they did a few weeks back now, which also involved two new beers, one of them being uh, Alt Beer. Olicana single hop with Orbit, and the other one being a brand new Doppelbock that they've got. Now we're going to do both of those later as as well, but we thought we'd start off with a, as you said, a, a classic and an old favourite of ours. They they're good old British Pilsner.
1: Yeah, it's an old favourite of ours, which is only what two years since we first tried it, I think, as well, and it's already firmly entrenched in our minds as being a go-to lager.
0: It also continues the Utopian style of of brewing by doing classic lager recipes using British ingredients. And this one features a recently developed flavour hop that a lot of people are familiar with now, Jester, as well. I just find it it
1: is clean, crisp, refreshing, but there is just this little bit of added depth to it in terms of the flavour and the aroma as well, which just if you saying else. But like we were speaking about that rustic lager we had last week with Mark, it still does that cutting finish. And this one's really dry, actually, as well. I think I would say it's probably drier than the rustic lager we had last week.
0: It's it's dry. I'm also finding um, there's like a little hint, like like a little the sort of spiciness you'd get from rye, and and there's a that that dryness also really lends itself to a lasting bitter finish that it's yep. got as as well. It, it ticks a lot of boxes in in those respects, doesn't it? It definitely it definitely does, and you know, but in time-honored
1: fan- fashion, Steve. Given our love of this beer, I think we should probably crack on, mate.
0: Well, let's get this drunk then, because otherwise it's going to be one of those magically evaporating beers that we have on the show so often. And while we're enjoying this, let's catch up with what our listeners have been saying about the show. Let us know, write it down, let us know, write it down, let us
1: know your thoughts and bitter in lingerness, write it down. Some thoughts and comments about opinions for sale. Once again, love the episode. But I don't have a lot to say about it because everything was eclipsed by the noise that Steve made when he was talking about the uni- new utopian beer. Between that and the talk of s this podcast is entering well. Different territory. And that was from Johnny Beerboy From James at Gammon Baron. Glad you gave some more airtime to the Magic Rock conundrum. You used to love getting the train to the
0: tap with workmates pre-COVID. Never see their beers outside of supermarkets anymore. Can, can I just pick up on that one just one more time? Uh, again because i know i know during that show we we mentioned about how there was um a little bit of smoke and mir- mirrors from magic rock in terms of when the whole announcement was made they, they, they started tweeting about the, the the cannonball run been nothing since has there
1: no the silence has been as they say deafening on that front
0: it was clearly to try and distract people but i'm like if if you're gonna do it just do it, because there are some of us out there that will still buy those beers and, and still enjoy them, hopefully. Don't just tease it as a way of distracting us from other things that are going on. James is right. I certainly don't see Magic Rock
1: anywhere other than in supermarkets, and the only time I've seen them outside of the supermarkets it's still being canned as a bit of a craft offering in, in a pub that has got craft aspirations, but still selling mainly from the uh, more macro-owned craft one so still interesting that people are still talking about it there is and there was definitely
0: still love
1: for magic rock as well
0: well that definitely came across in the feedback from that show as well from our listeners that a lot of people kind of were agreeing with what we were saying in 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 terms of if if they wanted one of those to still do well it would be magic rock from matt calaby
1: thanks to uh, thanks for listening to this on my way into work this morning I've put in a rather large order with elusive brew, including the barley wine and the man who wasn't there, Dipper. Honestly, you guys are costing me a fortune.
0: From Paul at UNRCD. Great episode, gents. My train always goes past Four Pures Brewery, and they definitely look like they've taken on extra parts of that industrial estate. The one thing I couldn't understand was the huge amount of kegs that they had at one end of the site, as I never saw their beer in pubs. It's curious, that, isn't
1: it? Yeah, because I don't recall really ever seeing, oh, maybe the odd time at the Yale House, but never anywhere in London.
0: I saw it. I, oh, I can't remember seeing it anywhere. Like, like you say, a handful of places in London three, four years ago, yeah.
1: maybe. So but all, where are all those cakes going?
0: Maybe they're not going anywhere now. Maybe they're they're four pure kegs because they would have they would own them, and therefore they would want them to come back to the four pure brewery. But we know they've been contract brewing other beers, so they that they could really be housing anything in them, couldn't they? Final comment on the Opinions 172 for Sad episode comes from your boy, Rob Edwards, uh, who says these two rays of Essex sunshine brightened up a crappy morning yesterday. Interesting, but not surprising that there was such a common consensus regarding for pure and Magic Rock. So it seems as though and I know I've said it already, but it does seem as though what we were talking about and the views that we had on it did resonate with a lot of our listeners. So we've got some uh, comments
1: on the most recent show, Wheels with Mark Dredge. From Points of Brew, back on the old Beer O'Clock Show Hall today featuring Mark Dredge. Hearing people's stories and journeys gives me a bit of hope, inspiration, but there's still need for more coverage of exciting and new beers. Cheers. Austin at Beer Tweeting, fascinated by the thought of a whole flavour wheel dedicated to fermentation and maturation. I've often referred to that specific taste of a brewery's beers, e.g., you can tell it's a Sierra Nevada beer, and would be curious to see some language for that. I
0: think Mark, I think, I think Mark went back to him about that as well, if I recall
1: correctly, on Twitter as well.
0: Yeah, so did I, because I, I said I get that one of the one one of brands in particular, Adnams. Y- you can tell when you're drinking an Adnams beer, uh, much the same as Fuller's or, I was proper- going to say. Fullers and Shepherds,
1: Shepherd name.
0: Yeah, probably any of those big regional family brewers because they use their own house yeast that they've cultivated over over many years. And you always pick up those distinctive flavours in there. So maybe, I I don't know, maybe it's one that Mark's considering is maybe a yeast flavour wheel to to, to give you an idea of the different characteristics that you can pull out of yeasts.
1: Yeah, maybe you want to break first, but yes, I, I, I would actually find that one quite fascinating, joking aside, because that's the thing I find hardest to pick up sometimes. But I recognise it. So, you know, with Fullers, they talk about that sort of orange marmalade quality, don't they? So, and I'm pretty, yeah, and it actually does seem to definitely resonate with the family regional brewers, doesn't it?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. But as as Austin said there as well, you do get it from Sierra Nevada as as well. So whichever of their beers you, you try, you do pick up the same characteristics in, in some of their beers, regardless of the style. Would I be rude
1: in saying you could? they're almost like a family regional, but in the States? Probably the nearest equivalent, I would have thought. You know, because they are still all 100% owned, aren't they? Yeah. But yeah, no, very I mean, it's a very good point. And, uh, you know, thanks, thanks again to everyone who's, who's come in. We have a question. Questions, questions fill my head. From Ronnie Bean in reference to episode 170 regeneration. Just listen to this episode. Are PR companies very active in trying to get products featured on the show, or is it just an occasional thing? I'm going to throw this over to you, Steve, because you tend, at least, definitely in the initial stages when we do receive any approaches. What's your
0: sort of view take on that question? I yes, yeah, it's, it, it's an interesting one actually because we do we get two or three different ways that people approach us. We either get a, a, a direct approach from a, a brewery saying we've got some beers, would you like them, or can we put them on the show, or or we'll get an approach from a, a PR company that's acting on behalf of a brewery. Sometimes those PR companies are upfront about who they're acting on behalf of sometimes they're a little bit more jaded and, and it's the latter that we, we, we tend to be a little wary of because if they're not telling us up front who they're representing then you can bet your life it's one of the big boys and and they don't want to start off with that approach whereas actually we'd we'd be quite happy to to listen to anybody's approach if we think there's always if we think there's an angle that we can work with on the show that nobody else is doing then then we're, we're more likely to buy into that so I'd say we out of every, it's not a huge percentage. So out of every, say, five approaches that we get from a from a PR company, one of them might be directly saying, can we put beers on the show? We don't always say yes. Sometimes we'll look at uh, who they are, what their beers are, what it is they're proposing to us. And then Martin and I will have a discussion in terms of whether we feel that's a fit for our listenership or, or not.
1: Yeah, that's true. And yeah, we do have a discussion. You know, we, we both spent a bit of time doing a few searches on Google sometimes regarding the PR company. Um, we've obviously always gone back with the usual rider, especially anyone new. I mean, there's one or two PR companies who are fantastic and who know the brewery that they're representing. So they aren't just doing this cold as another product. Um and was a, there was a few from one or two breweries last year who'd been very generous throughout the whole lockdown. We tried some of their beers before we said no. Uh, look, we tried to um, reach out to other people, that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, there are times when we've gone back and said, well, yeah, we wouldn't mind having them on, but we'd like to feature so-and-so. Perhaps, you know, your head brewer or, so you know, someone who has a bit more of a, an interesting angle about what we want to talk about rather than someone who's doing a bit of sales equally. The very basic line we, but we always go back with them is you'll get an honest opinion. So, you know, and then sometimes we've heard nothing.
0: Yeah. And I think, I think those that we, we go back to and say, we don't think your product's right for the show. Sometimes they'll come back and say, "Can we still send you some beers anyway?" And and again, like as, as Martin said, our response will be yes. And you, you, you know, we'll we'll put a picture of them on social media when we're drinking them, but it will be an honest review when we check it in on on Untapped. And if it's something that we don't enjoy, then you'll you'll be able to tell that. You, you know, we don't we, we very rarely now do we criticise a beer outrightly. Um, I, but I think a lot of a lot of our listeners understand our language and the terminology that we use and they're they're very quick to pick up on untapped check-ins when we've not enjoyed something
1: yes yeah but i think you know if someone's going to make a polite approach to you you know essentially we treat them all the same but we could we could feature more beers from pr companies than we do yeah we just choose not to yes so, it, but it is an interesting one. You, it, and it seems to, uh, just to find, sort of finish off this, it seems to go in fits and starts as well. Sometimes you get a run of it and actually you think, oh, actually that's quite a good selection of beers. Wouldn't mind trying all of those. But, you know, it's essentially, we only have one show a month to do that. Mm-hmm. And as you'll see from future shows, there are times when actually Steve and I just want to do something that we think would be quite good for us. So it doesn't always work.
0: Yeah, and I'd just say again to, to, to our listeners, if, if you've got any questions like, like Ron's got there in terms of insight, kind of behind-the-scenes insight to the show, just, just ask us, use the hashtag opinions, and we'll find it. How's your beer going, Steve? It's almost done, mate. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, and that comes as no surprise. Uh, it's weighing in at 4.4%. It's, it's a really easily
1: drinkable beer. It is. my might just going back to what I was saying about 4p on tap. Obviously, there's a couple of people who are on the um, Zoom launch who are closer to Utopian's southwest part of the country. And they'll say, oh, yeah, this pub has got it on tap. And I'm thinking, there are times when what I really want is a lager. Why can't I see Utopian on tap sometimes? Really, the only place I've seen it is at Leon C. Taproom. Yeah, I would love to see it on tap
0: somewhere and, and just drink pints of it.
1: Yeah, and also... Apart from their specials, they're all in a good space in terms of the ABV, aren't they? Yeah. As well. You know, like you say, 4.4%. It's got way, way more flavour and enjoyability than so many other lagers out there at that sort of uh, mm-hmm. space. So, yeah,
0: I'm about to finish the last bit. Okay, well, let's move on to our second beer this week. This is from Utopian, and it's collaboration brew with Orbit from London, and this is the Olicana Alt beer, 5% ABV, again, using the British hop Olicana, single hop showcasing what that hop can do in a lager. Well, it looks
1: particularly inviting in the glass, Steve. Lovely, lovely little bit of head retention for the carbonation, a lovely sort of golden brown color, almost like a Vienna lager kind of color. So definitely in the out beer um, range, ready to dive in, mate. Yeah, let's let's do it. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, that's fruity. Yeah, although the first thing I got on the nose was a bit of chocolate. I got a bit of, like a bit of hint of copper on the nose. I think you get it coming through. I get it coming through on the flavour. So it feels like we've got the <laughs> the same mix of aromas and flavours, just in a different order for us both. Mm. Um, it's almost got a little bit like
0: a little bit of a chewiness. To it's it as it's well. very thick. But it's, uh, body-wise, it's it's very full, isn't it?
1: Yes. Yeah. I mean, this is um, you know, they call this this result is our amped-up version of the humble out beer for the Rhineland region in Germany. Double decocted, which is a real favorite of the, the double decoction mash, is a real favorite of um, utopians. And like you say, they so just packed with kind Olicana of hops, and again just all the all the british ingredients um i mean all bit are well known for their sort of take on the German beer styles as well, aren't they yeah so this i think this as a as a combo was a was a sort of good match and initial flavor and aroma I'm really liking it's definitely fruitier than the out beers I've had in the past, so sometimes they can be a little bit uh a bit more closer to some of our older English ales I find at times. But this has got a real refreshing quality to it.
0: See, now that's that's what I thought as soon as I got, as soon as I put my nose in this, was, was I got the aroma uh, again of like a, a, a regional brewery best bitter or some or strong ale or something like that. And, and then you get through that and it, it does bring through all these wonderfully sort of like fruity, juicy notes but then reverts a little bit. And and I think it's on the finish where you you pick up some of the the, the chocolate that you was mentioning, because it does, does give that slight hint, slight sweetness. There's a little bit of biscuity bitterness on the finish as well. And it, it does, it comes together really nicely as all these things play in together really well in the glass. Yeah. It does feel like a
1: fairly complex beer, to be honest, considering the lack of individual ingredients as well
0: yeah yeah you know one hop
1: i don't know what the malt bills like but you know again I, they just pride themselves on how they produce the beer so it comes out and again it's so clean this beer i know we we use that quite a lot of times but it has got it's just it is just got a, a clean taste to it and it cuts off again at the end so you do get the dryness and a bit of bitterness then it stops um, but it just stops enough for you to go, I'll sweep back in again.
0: Mm. I think if you didn't know you were essentially drinking a lager, you'd maybe question whether you was drinking a lager.
1: Uh, I would agree with that. Uh, and I think that goes back to what you were saying about the uh, what it put you in mind of. You could almost, and this isn't meant in any sort of disrespectful terms, it's almost like a keg version of a bitter. Mm. So, but it is really nice. It actually feels like a nice time of year to have an out beer as well. As we're starting to maybe come a little bit away from winter, maybe the first few days of spring on, on the way, but slightly got that rather than just being a dark beer. It's a nice in-between before you start going full on to your golden lagers and golden ales. I
0: was going to say, you're supposed to know this stuff as the, the, the German beer expert. But the German beer expert, <laughs> yes.
1: The, the problem with being the German beer expert is the drinking of the actual German beer tends to overtake
0: the expertise element. Which is a lovely segue in into what we've been up to on our beer adventures, because you are literally just back from a weekend in Berlin, aren't you? Yeah, a bit of a last minute um,
1: decision. Any places that I mention, if anyone is interested, anyone's going to Berlin, just ping me a message and I'll always share the details anyway. So Dolden Maidel um, was over towards the Tempelhof part of Berlin, which is where the airport that they used uh, during the Cold War for a lot of the uh, airdrops into Berlin. So they've got this big monument outside, uh, listing some of the people who gave up their lives for part of those airdrops. A lot of those are Western names from like, you know, maybe the UK or from America who are part of the Air Force doing the, doing the drops for the food. I find it always fascinating that there's almost a very different, there is a different bit of architecture when you're going from East to West Germany. And when you're going through Berlin, they do have where the wall was marked out. And I always still get an odd feeling when I walk across it. There's a, cause they've just got it sort of paved through the floor and every so often they've got a plaque, um, you know, the Berlin wall, 1961 to 1989, And it's just a weird feeling that you're crossing from one side to the other. So obviously we did, we did the touristy bit, came back and Golden Maidle thought, yep, let's go there. It's about half one. Don't open until three o'clock. And I'm thinking, right, that's two attempts I've made now. And you know, my, my level of patience, Steve, I'm sort of, am I, am I going to give them a third chance and uh, went to a place just down the road called, vault beer express which actually was in my around berlin and 80 beers and it's got all this bric-a-brac and memorabilia on the walls not a massive tap list but what they did have was schneiderweiss original on tap which you know if you're a lover of a wheat beer is considered a bit of a classic and also i don't often see on tap so okay part of that and then they had their own uh sort of cloudy pale ale house beer that was made for them again really nice just nice atmosphere Ponked ourselves down for a few hours and then paul said i've been to this place once before with with laura his wife uh, really like to see what you think about it i said okay we'll give it a third attempt let's see what happens and we stayed there for about six hours it's worth it in the end then, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, just give you an indication, um, really smart. I, I couldn't tell what the building had been before, but at, at times it felt like almost a place of worship with some of the way the doors were done and the windows. Um, they'd done a massive outside area, covered over, presumably as part of the whole relating to the pandemic. 20 tap list, uh, beers and fridges as well. Uh beers from local breweries beers from a bit further afield had some really nice ones had a nice west coast ipa in there and again it was very welcoming it was definitely a it wasn't an industrial distressed urban chic kind of look it was very smart they had uh like a few barrels but some nice upright stools they had a few uh, bits where you could just sort of sit with that sort of small table in between you, almost like you're at, like a waiting room. And then they had some really nice seated areas with some bigger tables for people who were eating. And we, I think we only had some chips as snacks at the time, but the, the food did look fantastic. So, we, yeah, we did have a really good time, partly because Brian sort of joined us later in the day. So we had to wait till he got there. Then he wanted to have a few different beers as well. Uh, we were about to leave. And it started lashing down on the Friday night. And we said, right, I said, I'm not getting wet again. You're having a laugh. So we managed to get back in before someone nicked our spot and had a few more drinks. What I will say is their COVID protocols are way stricter than anything we've had over here. So they still have mask wearing when you're not at your table. Uh, they, They do take orders at the bar, but you're wearing a mask. They check your COVID pass. Now, if you are going to Germany, you can use your NHS pass, but there is an EU one you can download, which they're more familiar with, and you can transfer your information to that one. And you need to sh- have ID with you, such as your driving licence, because they will convey, compare your COVID pass to your driving licence as well. Goodness. And that's all. They are strict then, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. And that didn't, that happened everywhere, from the small little boozers where you may only be popping in for one, to the more sort of like high i say high-end but for us high-end high-end restaurants so it's definitely worth bearing in mind if anyone who listens to the show is thinking about going to germany and wants to know a bit more about the protocols do let me know i will let i will let them know at the moment they haven't given a date about when those protocols are going to drop off having said that you don't need to do a passenger locator form to arrive in berlin but if you're when you're leaving germany you have to do a passenger locator form to come back to the UK, despite the fact all our restrictions have been taken away. So a little bit odd, to be honest. Yes. Strange. Yes. E-
0: either they're there or they aren't. Yeah, Yeah.
1: exactly. It seems, it seems uh, a bit pointless. And judging by the queue and some of the words which aren't repeatable on this show at the check-in desk, Um, A few people hadn't paid attention to the bit about the UK requiring passenger locator forms. So that was causing quite a bit of trouble and work for passengers and checking staff alike. And then one more place to mention um, Protocol. Uh, A friend of ours, Steve, Tom, recommended uh, a bar which I hadn't heard of before. But as it turned out, was less than 10 minutes walk away from the restaurant that Paul wanted to take us to after we'd been to the Stasi Museum. And um, this was a craft bar in so much as a bit more distressed, looked like at some points the, you know, the decorators would come in to sort out some of the brickwork and a bit of the plaster. So it definitely had that feel to it. Um, This place didn't do food, but more than happy for people to come in with their own food. It was also the only place which had um, just water for you to help yourself as well. So very much keeping in, in the, in that sort of craft bar feel about it, that don't get your free water. So that, that was quite a nice touch again, 20 or taps. Um, and I decided I wanted to finish on a 10% triple IPA, obviously. As you do. Um, as yeah. you do. And we did look around for a couple of other places afterwards, but this was Saturday night and a couple of places which had a bit of seating. They still have smoking in there. And, it's a long time since I've walked into a smoky venue and one that we pulled open the door and I went, Whoa, <laughs> I went, oh, we can't go in there, mate. It was like, it, you know, bear it in mind. But the first half of my drinking life, that's what I did do. It was like a real shock to the system. Um, so as it turned out, we found almost like a, a wine bar, but it was a wine bar, which had one beer, Steve, Pilsner Irkwell from the tap. From the tank. You gotta be happy about that find, surely. That's not too bad, is it? So no, if you've got to end no. up somewhere which only has one beer, pills that Urkwell tank beer with proper pills that Urkwell glasses. Nice. On that note, that was my Berlin adventure.
0: Sounds like you packed a lot in to, to to a few days.
1: Yeah, although I think I took took that approach of there are so many places you can go to, but I just we'll just do a few. And also, Paul, you've been to Berlin more than I have. If there's places you already know about, let's go there. Um, So, yeah, I think we've got a good mix between places uh, to tick, sort of tick and try different beers, the two craft beer bars and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, well, I'm fairly happy with the mix. And when I go to any of those kind of places, you've got to take in a bit of the, the scenery and a bit of the history. And, you know, that's why I went out for a run on the Sunday morning because... I almost felt wrong for not going to like towards the Brandenburg Gate on this particular visit. Last time I was in Berlin was my brother's stag weekend, so I had very little control over activities. Um, well, although people remember, I did manage to persuade everyone to go to Stone as it was at the time. But so I felt like I'd do the touristy bit on the Sunday morning when I went for a run. But Yeah, I think it's nice when you mix and match these kind of things when you go to a, a place. And you're maybe even if you're familiar with it, just look at it again, fresh eyes another six years on from the last time I went. So yeah, it was really nice to get away. Really nice to travel again. Um, Some of my traveling experience, people may have seen a few tweets I've done. um, Wasn't wholly impressed with Berlin airport on the way home or BA, but that's another story. I have one more thing I want to mention, but I need to have a drink. And I know that you have been away recently as well, Steve.
0: So you tell us,
1: what you have been up to.
0: Okay, so same weekend that, that you were in uh, Berlin, Emma and I decided to take a trip up to York for, for the weekend. Uh, it's a place where Em's been wanting to, to, to visit, sort of beer-wise, probably since we went up to, to, to brew, uh, with Brew York, and, and came back waxing lyrical about it. So we, we booked to go up, um, arranged to meet friend of the show, Lee, and basically take it from there. So we arrived at the Brew York Beer Hall, uh, sort of Friday lunchtime, met Lee in there. And surprisingly, it was at one o'clock on a Friday afternoon, the place was rammed. Now, I didn't expect it to be quite as busy as that. But apparently, what we had fallen into was one of these weird occasions where the north of England seemed to have a different half term from the south of England this this february so there were a lot of families in in there hence the place was was really quite busy but we had we had a couple of beers just to start off in in there from their extensive number of taps that they have i think i started off on their on their lager on the golden eagle which is a which is a lovely czech lager that that brew york do and then i tried their big toucan which is basically their take on a guinness so Ah. This okay. is a Brew Yolk do straight up stout shocker. There's no adjuncts in it. There's no lactose in it. There's no fucking Tonka in it. It's just a 4.8% stout served through a nitro pour as, as well. And I've got to say, I pretty much ticked all of the boxes on it. It looked like a Guinness, it smelled like a Guinness, and it tasted like a Guinness. And you've, you've got to imagine that, again, it's one of these things where you must have people come into the beer hall and ask if they've got Guinness. Well, now they can say yes, we have. We're, we've got something that's very similar to it. So it's so it's good to see them them, them branching out. So, but we didn't want to spend. Too long, just in the one place, because Lee was quite uh, excited to show us what the town had to offer. And, and he wanted to take us around to a few older pubs, a few of the places that we didn't get to go to on, on the one evening that, that we had up there. So what basically followed ended up being a bit of a pub crawl. The first one was just down the road from the beer hall, a place called The Hop, which is owned by Osset Brewery. Now, Osset also owned the salt brand as as well so this was essentially all Osset uh Osset cask beers and then salt keg beers so it's quite a nice balance but the building it was in was was absolutely beautiful um really lovely decor and and then really old school sort of feel to to the front and then you walk through to the back and there's kind of like a large indoor conservatory area really open really bright going right back to then there was a uh, pizza kitchen at at the back so it it kind of had everything this place was huge so we stayed in there for one and and lee was explaining to us about how it was a venue where he had his eighth birthday party in there and he could actually remember where he sat in 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 the place as well for his eighth birthday because it used to just be kind of a pizza parlor but now it's a pizza parlor and pub so that was quite a nice start to, to the day we went from there we we then went from there to literally just across the road to a pub called the Blue Bell. Now, this is um, York's smallest pub, and it's tiny. It's it's like got, it, There's a small front bar, tiny bar in the middle, and then a small back bar out, out the back, all off of a single corridor, doors in. I'd say you probably had eight seats in each bar, maybe 10 out the back, so very, very tiny, Pub, um, lovely atmosphere, lovely friendly welcome from from the staff. Um, I think having Lee with, with us helped because, obviously, he's quite an imposing man and he's he's obviously well known uh, around the town as well. But they used to um, brew York used to brew the house beer for the Bluebell, which was uh, a session IPA. But because the Bluebell is is a, is a tied pub. The owners um, basically said that brew york had got too big to be able to provide a house beer. So the house beer is now produced by Brass Castle. Session IPA, absolutely delicious. Cask, sparkler, ticking every single box I needed it to. Really, really enjoyed that. Some really strange rules in in this little pub as as well. So um, they're happy for you to use a mobile phone. But if you're watching a video, or it's making any noise, or you need to take a phone call that you're expected to go outside, they also have a rule of no groups. So because of and it's due, it's purely down to the size of the place. So you you know so their rule is no groups any larger than six. I think even a group of six you'd struggle to get everybody in either of the bars at any one time. But just as we was about to leave, a, a group come in and it was clearly a stag do. You could see it. The first one in said. Like, literally, he, he walked in and and, and the, the woman behind the bar looked at him and went, no groups. He was like, he said, no, we're not a group. There's only six of us. She was like, look, you can see the bar. Where are six of you going to go? He's like, oh, come on, come on. We just want to come in for one. We just want to come in for one. And she was like, no, we've we've got no room and our policy is no groups. He walked out. The next fella came in and went, oh, it's all right. There's nine of us anyway. <laughs> and they all walked out. And it's just like, why... Why do people have to behave like that? Well, it's, yes, it's, the, the, the rules are clearly on. They're, they're on the outside of the pub, so you can see them when you go in. They're on both of the doors to both of the bar areas, and they're on the inside of the bar. And if you know the area, you 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 know that that place is going to have those rules, and they're going to they're going to stop you from coming in.
1: Yeah, and even if you know, do you think that if you said six and then nine of you rock it rock up, they're going to let you stay in anyway? No, they're going to
0: politely ask you to leave. Yeah, but so that's just ridiculous. I, I really like that place so much so that we went back there on Saturday um, when it was just them and I for, for 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 another pint, and we we got to sit in each room on on each visit, which was which was quite nice as well. But they also had a head landlord as as well. Now I'm not I'm not going to upset you by saying I had a pint of landlord because I only had one pint on each visit. But they also had um, a special plaque on the wall, um, which. Is rewarding them or highlighting just how well they keep their landlord. So it's like a gold medal standard for, for how they keep their landlord. Uh you so you would have been in your absolute element, mate. Uh what well, I presume it was a good pint. I, I don't know. I I didn't I didn't you try, didn't try it. it. No, I didn't try it. I just I pretty much stuck on the brass castle house IPA called Bluebell IPA. <laughs>
1: I'm going to put it out there, Steve. You must have been slightly tempted to have a pint just to send me a picture.
0: I was, but I knew you were going to get a picture in a couple of hours anyway. So <laughs> I thought, I thought, well, let's best not troll him too much <laughs> at this point. So we left there, uh, carried on walking into York, and next stop was a place called The Last Drop-In, which is kind of a pub that's been taken over recently by black sheep brewery so it's kind of become a bit of a, a a tap room for them and lee wanted to go in there because the last time he'd been in there they had a 11 percent imperial stout on cask and he was convinced it would still be on sadly it wasn't uh and we were about 20 minutes too early from an imperial stout going on keg Probably for the best, to, to be honest, <laughs> uh, at that point. So I think it was only about, only about four or five o'clock in the afternoon by this point. But I had a pint of Rig Welter, which is black sheep's strong owl. Yeah. Again, cast pour through a sparkler. Absolutely delicious. It's kind of one of these beers that I kind of thought, what? And and I went to check it in on Untapped, and there was no there's no green tick. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure I've had Rig Welter in the past. Clearly not. Um, I've been missing out. Yeah, but it, I think two things
1: there. One is, how often do we see black sheep on tap
0: True. down south?
1: And it still wouldn't have been the same beer because the chance of it being served through a sparkler is going to be slim to none.
0: Yes, yeah. And I, I guess I, I I have seen it in bottles be, before in supermarkets, but I'm guessing bottled version very very different from that that cask pour yeah well of, landlord of it is well. Isn't it? Landlord's yeah.
1: very different in bottle to cask in my view so yeah i can imagine that so i think you probably if this was your in theory first time having it you probably got to what we referenced before you probably got the time and place right
0: oh ab- absolutely and it was it was perfect but again we only stayed for the one because by this point let's say it was getting on four or five o'clock we would already done four venues um I think Lee realised that it was Jaipur o'clock. So we we went to the market cat, had the obligatory pint of cask Jaipur through a sparkler, thoroughly enjoyed that. And then as I I was sitting there drinking out of spite that they had Kipling on cask as well. Um, Oh my word, that was stunning. That was absolutely stunning, the pint of Kipling that we had after the Jaipur. Just the um, on cask, the Nelson hopping, that was absolutely shining. It just did that. Did that bear absolute wonders? It, it really did. Now, the, I, I suppose the flip side to what you were saying about Berlin was York was beautiful this past weekend. It was it was one of those beautiful, sunny but wintry weekends. So pure blue skies, but a real bite in the air but it wasn't it wasn't freezing cold so it was it was like perfect pub crawl weather so mm. that that pint of kipling just just about hit the spot at that time we then met up with lee's wife and we went to two more places after the market cat we went to piveny which is kind of owned by i think it's pivovar who are also involved in the taps at the various stations up and down the country and they're also in the partnership with Thornbridge for for all of their bars and we went to a place called Valhalla as well I remember very little of both of those places we got thoroughly lead on 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 the Friday Um, but it was it was great to see him it was great to chat to him about all the things that Brew York are up to and you you know and, and also great to hear recently that they've they've got three nominations for zebra awards in in the zebra awards that are coming up and they've also finally managed to get the, their instagram account unblocked as well so good on good on them for for both of those things but yeah great to see they and and great to see some of the places that we didn't get to go to necessarily when we was up there and then on the saturday we just did a few other things like places that we hadn't really necessarily got to do on, on the Friday. So we went, um, went to the House of the Trembling Madness, but not the little one. That we went to not the one that everybody would know like the bottle shop and and the one with the old timbers upstairs we went to the bigger one which i think is on Lendal, and that's over three floors and it's huge it's it's, it's absolutely massive so we oh, went is it, in is it three floors because i know we walked past it didn't we i didn't yeah. realize it was three floors uh well yeah there's 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 the downstairs there's there's the first floor and there is then event space on the third floor oh, right and there's also a basement as well, which was also a bottle shop, but they've now closed that. So I'm not sure if they're planning on opening that up. But we, went, we actually went in there twice because we went out for breakfast and we, we came out where we, where we went for breakfast was just around the back. So it was like, well, might as well just pop in here for a quick one, get the day going, that sort of thing, and then come back later on, which we did. We ended up back in there to finish our evening on Saturday. We had something to eat in there and I had a pint of Colonel um, Export Porter which was on, on tap and tasting absolutely bang on. Again, that whole thing, go to the other end of the country and drink kernel. That's what we do, <laughs> <It's>, isn't it? <laughs> We're consistent. Yeah. Um, and summer, uh, I, I suppose, the only other highlight uh, from the, the, the Saturday, I mean, yeah, we, we, we went into quite a few places, uh, went back into the Bluebell uh, again, but went to the Golden Fleece, which is apparently York's most haunted pub. And it was exceptionally busy, really long, thin pub. So, again, with the bar at the front and then a corridor taking you to a bigger bar at the back. And we were lucky to get a table space. But I was thrilled to see that they had um, Cast Cobb Goblin and it was served through a sparkler as, as well. Now, I can't remember ever having had cask, cob, goblin. I've only ever ever had that from the bottle or can. So I was thrilled to have found it on cask. And, and then the fact that it was served for a sparkler, my word, I was like a pig in shit. Honestly, I, I really was. I, was. I was a very happy boy at that, that point. But we, we just had a really wonderful couple of days in, in, in York. We didn't really do any of the touristy stuff, apart from on Sunday morning, because we, we had to be out of our hotel by 10... We didn't want to just come straight home. We were awake fairly early anyway, so we said, "Well, let's let's drive into town. Let's let's find somewhere to park, and then let's let's walk the walls." So, so that's what we did. We did the uh, the York Wall Walk, which is about about two and a half miles if if you do the entirety of the the city, just just walking along the walls, which was which was quite nice. And again, sun was out, and and, and the city was looking absolutely beautiful. So, yeah. Had a had a thoroughly um, thoroughly casky time, thoroughly sparkled, and yeah, just really really enjoyed myself.
1: No, I mean it does it does. I mean, saw some of the pictures, saw some of the check ins. Obviously, you did send me the uh, Sparkled Jaipur picture. Um, no, it does. Sound, I mean, I think it's hard to go to somewhere like York. And again, slightly different to other, some of the other, like, you know, Leeds isn't far away, but they're two very different fields of cities, I think, anyway. And, you know, like you say, you, you don't, you almost have to do all the touristy stuff in York, but you can just sort of wander around and see these mm. lovely buildings. You're walking along cobbled streets. Like you say, you've got the wall doing the outskirt of the city as well. So I can fully understand it. And I'm presumably Emma loved it as well. Yes, yeah, she, had, she had a great time. I have to come back to, I, I was actually looking forward to some cars when I got back from uh, Berlin. And all your talk about landlord is quite, actually quite handy here. Uh, me and my brother, Brian, both support Liverpool. And the flight's timed up with the League Cup final between Chelsea and Liverpool. And chose the Mineries, which is under Tower Hill Station. So under the bridges in the City of London. Easy enough to get to using the Docklands Light Railway from City, change it can in town, get over there, had the table reserved, good position for the for the football. Um, they always do have some decent cask in there, and they had landlord on. And I'd been humming and ahhing about whether I needed to drink on the Sunday, having drunk the Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, but I saw the landlord. They did also tease me with ghost ship coming soon as well, which I thought... Don't tell me that. Just turn it around. I don't want to know it's coming soon it'll never come when I'm here. So I was having the landlord and yes, it's not sparkled, but it was in very good condition. I must say, I was quite pleased with that. Did run out. So I ended up having, um, I think it was a pint of nickel towards the end of the, uh, the extra time and the penalties. But the reason I want to mention the mineries is because it is a sports pub. That is what they're known for these days. Screens everywhere. Back rooms got the big screens. Still some small screens. Um, and as soon as the penalties were over and Liverpool had won, they turned off the TVs. Okay. So that prompted two things. Not just only were Chelsea fans leaving the pub. Liverpool fans were as well. We couldn't see them lift up the trophy. And secondly, meant we didn't buy another beer because Brian was at the bar and I said, "Well, if they're not turning that back, we're not. I'm not staying. We're off." So that's not how you run a sports bar. You've shown the cup final over about 16 screens. And then before the team who've won have picked up the trophy, you've turned off the TV. So this speak to someone and she did go and say, she went to try and speak to someone else, Um, but they didn't get it back on. I said, well, we're off. And it will be on my blacklist now because if I won a, a league match, I do get a little bit peed off if you turn it off straight away. But When it's a cup match, no, you don't, you don't miss out the trophy giving ceremony, so just a little warning to people: mineries is really good for watching the sport, but maybe not for hanging around afterwards. It was what? What a strange business decision! Fucking
0: annoying is What I yeah did. yeah. I was, really, I was livid. I, was, I, I said, Brian, you're not buying any more drinks. I mean, I, I was mindful on Saturday when we was out in York that it was a it was a Six Nations day, so I, I did say to him. That some, some of the places that maybe we were thinking of visiting, maybe we'd want to put them off till later on in the day, because if they've got a screen, they're going to be busy. Yeah. But as, as it was, I actually ended up finding most of the places we went to were really busy on Saturday. York was ridiculously busy on Saturday. I don't know whether it was the combination of the half term. It's a tourist city anyway. The weather was nice. The Six Nations was on that, you, you know, all these factors coming together at once. But I mean, we almost we just about got in the original house of the Trembling Madness, just about got on the table upstairs. But that was rammed, as was everywhere else we went. And it's, it's it's interesting because I was walking around, certainly on the Friday when we were out with Lee and going in and out of some of the places. And then again on the Saturday as well. And I was like, Hmm. why have we never considered York as a potential venue for like the summer sesh or Crimbo Crawl? And I think I have my answer. I just don't think the pubs are big enough to, to cater for large groups of people that are, that are going out for drinking. I mean, certainly the, you know, the, the, the bluebell that I spoke about that, only has a policy of six anyway but some of the other venues that we went into i just i just thought if if this was any more than just the m and i if if this was even a group of four of us we would have struggled to have got into a lot of the places well even the market cat
1: even when you go upstairs yeah they've got some big tables but you wouldn't all be together the house of trembling madness is definitely designed for couples or you know two or three people maybe a small group of four I mean, that little table we managed to shoehorn you, me, Andy, Wayne and Lee <laughs> when we were there. Not really sure how we managed that, to be honest, but we did. So, yeah, I can picture that. And also, it would if we did it as a Crimbo Crawl, can you imagine what it would be like? Did, did York do Christmas markets, don't they? Oh, yeah, Christmas would be a nightmare. Uh, but equally, June, July, June, July time. Um, I actually just think York would just be simply too busy nearly all the time
0: i think i think it's too touristy that's that's the problem um which which is a shame because it is it is a beautiful city however that is a lovely segue in to what i want to mention we've kind of got a plan in place for the summer sesh haven't we we have indeed we had we had a
1: planning committee meeting for want of a better phrase two very good friends of the show rob edwards and simon clark local knowledge put together with a. Uh, Steve and I going, well, this is what we want to do. We want to do this. I think we've got some really good places to go to for both the summer session as well as summer session during the day. And I think we've got a nice balance between places to go to, a bit of a mix of craft and traditional, but not trying to squeeze too many venues in.
0: Would you agree? Uh, Yeah, I would definitely agree. I think what we've done is we've taken what we've done in the past from the Crimbo Crawls in terms of sometimes we've tried to do too much. And I think what we've, what we've been able to do is, is go with the idea of less is more on, on this occasion. And the fact that we've got two days as well, because we're, we're benefiting from those jubilee bank holiday days that we're going to use to do this, enables us to do a little bit more. So we'll give you a, a brief overview of, of what it looks like now. And we'll go into a bit more detail once everything is confirmed, because we are obviously we're conscious that we're going to be a group of people. And we're conscious that we're only just coming out of COVID protocols. So we are wanting to get in touch with all of the venues to see if they can accommodate us, so to speak. So on Friday, we are going to be heading to Sturchley which is a 15-minute train journey from Birmingham New Street. Um, We're hoping to go into Cotteridge Wines for a couple of beers in their tasting room. Again, that one is very much to be confirmed, though. And then we're going to hit up the two brewery tap rooms that are over on Sturchley. So that's Glasshouse and Attic. That's all we're going to do on, on the Friday. Is, is those three venues. We're going to spend some time just enjoying space, hopefully enjoying the sun, because I'm assuming both tap rooms will have outside areas where we can sit and just enjoying having a, a laugh and a few beers with, with people while we're enjoying these kind of local beers. And certainly both Glasshouse and Attic are, are breweries that a lot of people are talking about in terms of the beers that they're putting out at the moment.
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, I'm definitely looking forward to both of those because I think it'd be quite nice to spend a bit of time there. I think they're both, at least one of them, if not both of them, will have uh, food offerings as well. So that will t- cater for a lot of that. And it's not we're not trying to do two days of pub crawling anyway. That's not the idea.
0: No, no. And as always, there are other places in the area. And if people want to go off and visit those other places, you know where we're going to be. You can always come back and, and find us. And then on the Saturday, what we've tried to go for is a bit of a mix of different locations and different venues and different things. So we're going to start off at Burning Soul, who are out in the jewellery quarter, yeah. I believe. So they're the furthest point out. Um Spend a couple of hours there. We're going to come back in via The Wolf, which I'm sure quite a few people will be aware of. Uh, Again, they're up in the jewellery quarter. Very much a craft beer bar. So you should be able to get your your, your fix of double and triple IPAs and Imperial Pastry Stouts and everything else that you want to try in there. At two o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Drink responsibly, folks. (laughs) From there, we're going to go on to the Wellington, which is a very traditional type pub, very much uh, cask-led. Again, just for a little bit of something different. Then we're going to go to the Colmore Tap, because obviously we are because there's going to be Jaipur and there's there's going to be pizza as, as well. And we thought it would be good to be kind of landing at the Colmore Tap around, because hopefully the plan is to land there around about what would be dinner time. So, so people can get a little bit of sustenance, something to eat, something to help soak up the beers. We're then hoping to go to the post office vaults. Which is uh, has a very very strong Belgian beer selection uh, in the fridges, in bottles, and then looking to finish in tilt. So again, only six venues spread out throughout the day, and I've got to say, I think there's something for everyone in in that selection of venues that we've decided to go with.
1: Yeah, I think mean, there's a, you know there is a mixed brewery tap. There's some crafty bars. There's some traditional. So I think there's a real mix, but again, a bit like you said for the Friday, Steve, <sighs> I mean, we could have doubled that list quite easily with that, absolutely with a few yeah. more mixes yeah, yeah. thrown in. So again, basically the timings and where we'll be, will be literally saying this is where Steve and I will be. And if there's other places you want to pop into and people have done that in the past, it's not an issue at all. It's your, it's your, you know, your trip out as well, go and do it. This is where we'll be. And it's always quite nice to uh, what we found and a, especially found it in the Manchester Crimbo Crawl was just that everyone coming together at the end of the evening and, and spending a nice relaxed time in, in Cafe Beer was just lovely. So that's sort of why we're going to end up at Tilt, just so we can sort of just take stock, chill out, but knowing that people are going to have to start thinking about drifting off, especially if they're travelling, rather than staying in Bir- Birmingham as well. So I'm very excited about it. I know we've got to uh, reach out, talk, just talk to a few people, make sure they don't mind an unruly rabble turning up on their doorstep Um, but hopefully we can do all of those places and I think there is a really nice mix and it's god willing we're actually it's going to happen this time
0: oh yeah that's that's the thing I'm most excited about is this this is actually going to happen and it's going to have been two and a half years since yep. the the last cream crawl as well so it's going to be great for us to see as many of our listeners as, as possible over those two days as we say at the moment everything is kind of planned subject to change because we are talking to people just to make sure we've got everything locked in but as always with these sort of things what we'll do is there'll be a post up on our website once everything's confirmed We'll put a post up, a little bit of detail about the venues, the traditional, here's the map, showing you where we're going. And then, yeah, come along, join us for a beer. Come on the Friday, come on the Saturday, come both days. It's up to you. We're going to be around, so uh, and we're very much looking forward to enjoying a good few beers with you all. Yeah, very excited.
1: Very excited. And thanks again to Rob and Simon for helping us out with this so far.
0: Yeah, I'll just echo what Martin said there. I've finished my alt beer
1: i finished mine before i started ranting about the (laughs) mineries. um mainly because i was just you know just listening to you chatting about york and thinking yeah we've both been very lucky to have a couple of weeks a weekend away each um to, to two very different places but i just sit back listening just drinking the Olicana, and yeah i can definitely see that whole out beer but also that likening you said to a an English bitter
0: as well, I was – essentially, I'd stopped thinking about it. I was just drinking it. It, it was more of an English bitter for me by the time it got to the end. And I've, I've, I've got to say, I wasn't, I wasn't that taken by it. It was, it was okay. I, I'm not sure whether it's a style that I would necessarily look to return to in a hurry. If you spend a couple of days in Cologne and you then go to Dusseldorf, it's a style you look
1: out for, trust me. Because after a few days of just Kolsch, you do need something different. But, you know, uh, not all styles are for everyone. I still think it was a very good example of it. Um, I think it was a it's a good collaboration. I can see why those two have gone together on this with their ethos about the kind of beer styles they do. And, again, grateful that, you know, Rich, Rich sent it out to us
0: Having said all of that,
1: I'm very excited about the last beer.
0: I am very excited about this. Let's get this into the glass and into our mouths. This is Utopians Doppelbock. It's 7.2. No, it's not. It's 7.5%. And this is essentially from the call that we were involved in when they launched this. Rich put it as it's essentially a double Vienna Lager.
1: That was definitely how, how he described it. Um, I mean, they've, done it, they've obviously done a Bock before. The, the May Bock, was, uh, the Rainbow, wasn't it? Was was absolutely stunning Bock-style beer. Um, we had a good Bock from Meantime as part of the COP26 with toast. That was an excellent Beer. So, we've, well, I suppose, recently, or let's say recently,
0: there have been a few that we maybe have a bit of a reference point for, Steve. Yeah, well, interestingly, it's, it's, it's interesting you mentioned the Rainbok that Utopian did because this beer, for this year at least, is replacing the Rainbok because Utopian aren't releasing it this year because they've had to give in to the culture of beer drinkers always wanting something new, having, having had. Having released the Rainbok for the last two years, basically people are asking them for something new, and and they've had to they've had to give in. So essentially, the Rainbok, which is a fantastic beer, has been retired for this year, which which I think is a shame. But I'm going to hold any further comment on that <laughs> until a little also, bit later.
1: Also, this is another Utopian beer in a three thirty can.
0: Yep, yeah, which Rich did say uh, was done purposely for, for two reasons. One, because it's 7.5% and they want to encourage people to drink responsibly, which I think is a great move. And, and two, and I think equally as as great from Utopian, is that they've said they're mindful of the price point. Now, you, you know, putting a 7.5 beer, 7.5% beer in a 440ml can pushes that price point up. Whereas yep. if you put it in a 330ml can, it's, it keeps it at a more reasonable price. You're only drinking 330 mils of a 7.5% beer. It, it ticks a lot of boxes, doesn't it? It does, and especially for us on a Monday
1: night recording. We've spoken about it. We've poured it.
0: We've heard other people talk about it. I've been waiting nearly three weeks to drink this. Please, can we just drink the fucking thing? Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Yep. Damn, that's good.
1: Yeah, I mean it's got a, a like a, a bit of sweet toffee mm. at the outset, both on the nose and that flavour. What it has in again in abundance is this bitter dryness to it as well. It doesn't drink the seven point five percent. It's got a lovely, almost a ruby, almost a ruby sort of red colour, especially when you hold it up to the light. It's very inviting, both in the way it looks the aroma and the flavor what what what's your take on it?
0: The first thing that I thought after I finished that first mouthful was wow, that is like a fuller's vintage Ale. oh really yeah it's got a lot of the characteristics that I, I pick up in 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 a fuller's vintage so there's there's some of those kind of fruit cakey notes there's a little bit of earthy bitterness there's some citrus in there there's some dark berries. All of that coming together, and and then you do get this depth and this beautiful caramel sweetness on the finish, and it, it just invites you back in for another gulp. Oh, it definitely does that,
1: and yes, I've, the dark fruits I'm getting. I I maybe because I I I couldn't see how the two could be natural bedfellows, but yes, when you, when you're talking about maybe the dark fruits and it's got a bit of a, maybe a bit of a warming finish as well. Then yes, I can start to see where you're going with that for sure. It's a very, very satisfying opening um, mouthful, and 100% fuggles again. I I don't know where to go. You know, we I think we've we've shown how astonished we are when we talk about Cernay. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it, to be honest, it doesn't surprise me that they can seemingly at times make any lager style using a lot of the similar ingredients and make it a very different beer different outcome but excellent yeah i mean this is this is stunning this is really good and people you know um our our fellow podcasters and beer writers were, you know to a person were waxing lyrical about how much they were enjoying this beer on the night I'm glad we saved it for the show, even though that wasn't Rich's original intention. I'm glad we, we saved it. And um, I do believe we both have a can set aside to share with our partners
0: as well. So
1: uh, I'm hoping.
0: No, M's drunk, my other can. <laughs> she, she, she was like, if you're doing that one on the show, I'm having the other one for me. I was like, okay. Fair point.
1: Oh, brilliant. <laughs> so I this, is
0: this is it. This is like my one and done. Well, well done. This. It, it well really well done, is.
1: She's going. She's going down a democratic route. Then, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant.
0: Well, while we uh, while we enjoy this,
1: and I am going to enjoy it.
0: Yes, and so, so am I. But I'm going to have to have to take my time with this. I don't. I don't want to rush it be, because of the ABV. And and there is that downside there to it not being in 440. But while I enjoy this, let's get on to this week's question opinions 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 do you think there are beer trends starting to emerge for 2022 i just want to reiterate that question again this question didn't ask do you think mild is going to be popular in 2022 because that most of the responses that's what people seem to think we asked on on this i checked the wording (sighs) of the poll yeah and pretty certain
1: we, 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 in fact, I think when we first talked about it, we were tempted
0: to use mild as the example, and we went no. Yeah, so that wasn't the question. The question was about beer trends. We had 246 votes, and we had the closest outcome we've ever had in, in a poll. 49.2% of people said yes. 50.8% of people said no. So you could barely split people's views on this one.
1: I mean that is quite that's quite an interesting outcome and um, I was following it to a point before we started before I started work today and um, there must have been quite a few comments and votes
0: during the, during the course of the day as well so I'm, I'm looking forward to getting into these okay well, let's let's go through some of the comments and then then we'll have we'll have our say on, on this as well so first up from swift run coaching from a drinker's perspective yes but from a brewer's not especially the beers they brew haven't changed the volumes probably haven't either just the noise around a couple of styles seem to be trending. God, I hate myself. And then from Horse Forth Brewery, I suspect what will happen is what's happened been happening for a while. The start of the year looks like a new re-emergence of a style and then it will die out before the summer. I suspect the mild loving has already peaked. <laughs> <laughs> from Chris
1: Clough at Nine Squirrels Brew. Feels like we're still stuck in the same cycle where drinkers just want new beers, rather than reliably good beers. Styles that appear to be in vogue, like mild at the moment, or just part of that overarching trend for what's ever been newly released. God, I'm so jaded. It's unusual to get God mentioned so many times in, in, I, I, in poll answers. I know, there's a lot of people really down on their own <laughs> views this week, isn't there? Yeah. From Dean Hollyworth at True North Dean annoys me when people take a traditional beer like a mild or bitter and drag it kicking and screaming into the 21st century. Then chuck loads of citron mosaic in it,
0: just brew a quality, balanced beer. From beyond the pow at Ian Sutton 12, looks like the people have discovered a new beer style called mild. Interestingly, some are better and more tasty than others. Good brewers are good brewers, regardless of the style or dispense. And then from Joey Hill at Multiplex Rant, not really, little sparks of stuff maybe, like the odd mild revival, but hopefully the main trend is better beer, particularly in the sense of it being consistent. Matthew Curtis. I think so. Marge is just
1: a seasonal precursor to lots more cask. Bitter, golden ale, and at least one brewer I know is in a cask pilsner. The future is pin bright, Cellar-cooled and sparkled. Oh, and there'll be lots of cold IPAs. Basically, IPLs, West Coast Box, and black-red IPA will properly come back this year.
0: I'm calling it that we started that trend on the red IPA.
1: Yes, I'll, I'll, I'll go with that. I uh, second Steve. From FPL David, voted no. A few people talking about mild on the internet does not a trend make.
0: Like, like 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 (laughs) uh from mark johnson another one that i hit the like button on so hard i almost broke it i see absolutely no evidence either in pubs or bottle shops to suggest any new trends have emerged i've seen some some suggested on the internet but the physical world says different from guy miller at brew guy craft lagers to target more mainstream drinkers To increase market share and appeal to lovers of domestic lager in 2022, breweries will brew more craft lagers. There are generally lower in alcohol and calories, hits a trend towards moderation and aware of health and overall wellness.
1: I'm Jane Vortids at Jan underscore Marble. It's been so refreshing to see people with no overarching beer thing coming into the marble and commenting that we do good food and good beer. Almost feels like beer hype is wondering what to do next when customers are just enjoying a good pint in a friendly atmosphere. Grain Schooner Kilcaddy. That's Grain Schooner. More sessionable beer. People want value for money at the moment, and a few pints of Hopford Pale, especially in a social setting, is more fun than one can of tipper or a big Imperial Snickers stout.
0: From Miles Lambert. Don't know if this was the sort of answer you were after, but I feel like the biggest influence this year could well be rising prices. Might mean breweries focusing on core beers more and less able to make the more expensive, adventurous beers. To be honest with you, Miles, it was nice just to have a response that didn't have the word mild in it, I'll be honest. And then from Richard Taylor, I don't have an opinion on this. I'm just happy to see a opinions poll on a Sunday night. My actual thought on the poll is we'll be seeing more IPA variations with more daft names. Will at Longmate, yes there's a wider choice and easier availability
1: of low and no alcohol beers in a bottle shop, drafting pubs, no need to buy online so much anymore, thanks to Stoptober and Dry January in Tunbridge Wells at least, several venues now have permanent taps of 0.5% beer. And finally from John Porter at Pie and Pint, I voted yes because beer trends are always emerging but trends that put any dent in the onward March of the global brands are measured
0: over years and even decades. What a great range of comments there in terms of some people focusing in on, and I know we've joked about it a couple of times, but some people focusing in on that the recent mild resurgence that seemed to be only on Twitter. Uh, whereas looking at that kind of final comment from John there in terms of Beer trends are always emerging, but you never actually see the impact of those until a few years down the line. I, I think maybe some people did a, get a little did get a little bit caught up in the whole mild revival when, when they were responding to this. And I'm not sure that's specifically what we were looking for in terms of what we were asking, was it? No, and I'm not even sure we knew clearly what
1: we were asking for, but it felt like, you know, two months in, what's happening out there. Do people have any thoughts? I don't think there's, like I said, there are some interesting comments in there, but I mean, if you go to John's uh, point there, say we asked this question five years ago and someone goes, cans, cans are the emerging trend. You're not going to see that straight away though, are you? That became a bit of a, oh, that's a bit novel. Oh, now they're putting it in cans. Oh, they switched all to cans. And, you know, I would say that's equally if not more important, of a trend that emerged over the last five or six years as any style you might be talking about is just the beer going into cans. So, yes, I think it's got quite a breadth, a wide range of, of, of answers you can give on this one. So uh, I'm surprised no one said bottles. Maybe maybe bottles are coming back.
0: I, I'm, I'm interested in the point that you make about cans because five years ago, maybe we did see the can thing just starting. But I don't think anybody at that point called 440 cans as, as being the dominant presence in the market because back then we had 330 mil bottles, we had 500 mil bottles and we had the odd bomber. Maybe you got 750 or something a bit bigger. There,
1: there was no 440 in, the, in our kind of beer world. No. 440s were definitely your Guinness, your Foster's, xxx brands at at the supermarket was essentially the only time you saw them really
0: yeah yeah and, and now here we are with most breweries using 440 ml cans as standard even when you don't need 440 mils for 12 percent in beer style yeah so but that's what i'm saying so there are there are trends
1: and john john john's point is really well made in that respect there are trends that come through which aren't directly related to the beer style they also may have enabled the beer style to really come through because let's face it, what came after the real emergence of cans, the new England IPA style definitely seemed to come along hand in glove to the canning and cans getting out there. That's definitely where I became aware of this style emerging within the UK cans and new England IPA before that. Maybe it start to see a couple of new England IPAs and I'm sure that listeners will mention a whole raft uh, of them, but my awareness of New England IPAs came along at the same time as canning.
0: I I have to agree, actually. I I think the two very much went hand in hand because it was, it was that whole drink fresh thing as, as, as well, wasn't it? About New England IPAs and the whole Americanism of them being in cans so that that the hops were kept fresher in the sealed container. Yeah. So, you
1: know, there are a lot of different directions that the, the trend conversation can go in. And yes, the mild one, although we didn't mention it, I wasn't entirely surprised because there's, you know, there's been a few pictures of miles recently. I've got nothing against mild. Um, maybe re- reach on to one of the comments there said about, someone said about just, you know, make good consistent beers. Well, I actually wouldn't mind some miles being re- around all the time because they are lower ABV. And if done well, I don't mind them. I mean, the only one that I see in our neck of the woods, Steve, it's a fairly regular one, will be the Oscar Wilde Mild. That's uh, about it.
0: Morden. Morden, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, I think
1: it's definitely been champion beer Britain at once. Um, again, I've got nothing against it. But yes, it definitely seemed to have sparked people's imagination. And I thought we were only one step away from those whole comments about someone saving Cask again which I'm glad
0: didn't happen. No, no, I am. And oh, I'm going to be honest, I can't stand mild. There's not a single thing. <laughs> not a single thing about that beer that I enjoy or that I look forward to. Or if I see it in a bar, I, whatever the opposite of excited is, that's what I get when when I see it on a, on, on a pump clip. And I have to admit, I was one of those that actually, I, I think it was that Thursday or Friday a couple of weeks ago where... I think it was as a result of Thornbridge releasing a collab with Bundo Bust. It was just every fucker was talking about mild. And I was like, oh, you know what? I'm bored of this now. And I muted it. I muted the word mild so that I couldn't see <laughs> any, any more of the discussions because I just had enough of it. And it seemed as though everybody had to go out of their way over that weekend to go and try that beer and post a picture of it. I, I had not seen. FOMO like that on Twitter in a long time. I really haven't. And I just got bored of it. And you know what? I just want to add to, to one of the comments about it being a bit of a mini revival. I went in a lot of pubs in York this weekend. I didn't see one Cask Mild in any of those pubs. So for people that think, what Mild's back, it's not, folks. It, it, it really isn't. We're still talking English bitters, Session IPAs, IPAs on the pump clips, and, and then on your your, your keg lines, you're, you're talking about everything that we've been talking about in, in the last few years. It's New England IPAs, it's parallels, it's double adjunct filled, super lactose beers. Though, those are still the things that are dominant in, in bars right now from what I can see. What would you say? So, okay, so you're sort of going down the same
1: uh opinion as say Mark Johnson that there may well be emerging beer trends in the beer bubble but in the real world you're not seeing much change. So from your view, Steve, what trends are you seeing already? Is there any trends? I've I've
0: seen one this this year and albeit it's it's only been two beers, but they came within a, a short space of each other. And I think, and by think, I mean, I hope there's more of it to come. And that's the American barley wine, because we had that one released by Elusive, Sunset City, and it was this big old, bold, bitter, in-your-face barley wine that was all about drink fresh, drink now, don't save this, don't age it because you want to taste the hops as they are. And then a few weeks later, you got the one from Burning Sky, which was, again, similar sort of style, big American West Coast IPA, really punchy, really bold. Now, yes, again, much like somebody said on on, on here, you know, a few people talking about mild on on the internet, does not a trend make. Two releases of an American barley wine does not make that a trend. But for me, it's the first time I've seen... American barley wine treated in that way in terms of this is a big West coast style IPA. It's full of hops. It's really, really bitter. Drink it now. Do not age this beer. And I'm kind of hoping that that becomes a bit of a trend going forward. Cause I'd like to see a lot more of that. It's kind of, it's taking a classic double West coast IPA to a completely different level. By using the, the the malt bill to really ramp everything
1: up. Agree. Still probably still don't need over those beers to be in 440 cans though.
0: No, because they were both nine plus percent, weren't they?
1: Yeah. And they're saying drink fresh. So they're not saying about save it and store it and share it with a friend when <laughs> they come over. And a lot not always do I have uh, someone to share the, the beers that I want to drink when I want to drink them. So I did have, I've only had one of those two. I had the Elusive Brew. I don't know to add to how you described it. It was a superb beer and I enjoyed every millilitre of the 440. I would have benefited it from being a 330 or 250, to be honest. I mean, if there was a trend to emerge and I've only seen it what mentioned once or twice, it is giving us different options. Now, I'm not saying... Cans. It seems to be a difference of opinion here about whether it's cost effective, or whether people can do it. But I wish people would look at all the options because there are some, and there are some beers. So let's go back to what you said about Tonka. You were so happy to see this beer from Brew Yule, which had none of those adjuncts and stuff. Now, I'm not the biggest lover of Tonka, but one or two of those beers I haven't minded. And Lee, you know... Where, we, where, where we're coming from. I just don't need 440 millilitres of those beers a lot of time, but I might want to try it and I might want to enjoy it. I will enjoy a 250 more than a 440 because otherwise a 440 might become a bit of work, especially if I'm not sharing it.
0: No, yeah, but recently Brew York in particular, they did put out two of their Imperial Barrel Ace Tonka releases in 330 mil cans. Yes. So uh, there is a direction here.
1: And if there was going to be something going on, that's what I would like to see. And that also ties in with a couple of people saying about people being a bit more money conscious as well. Yeah. You know, I think Miles' point was bang on, wasn't it? Yeah. And if we look at the times we're in right now, then even if it's just prices going up because of general inflation or prices going up because of energy costs and they're going up again, then yeah, we will all have to make our choices. But I still want to try some beers. But if you're putting them in a 440, and it's a 10% plus, there's a good chance that becomes quite an expensive item. And for some people will become an item they choose not to buy because hold on, I can buy maybe two or something else. And I know I'll enjoy rather than this four forty, which is actually I'm taking a bit of a punt. So I, although I'm sort of almost verging on the, I'm hoping this would be a trend. I would like to see it happen. I mean, going back to the 330 bottles and the 500s. Yeah, we joked about it at times, pour from a 500 to a 330. But I'm sure there were, I can't remember was there a period of time where you could get both? There was there the was, 500s as,
0: as it is it? Yeah. As they kind of got through their stock of the the 500 mill bottles, but then interestingly Thornbridge then start putting out Jaipur in 440 mil cans and it's like, "Well, well hang on a minute." We know why you dropped 500ml bottles because you, you claimed it was because they didn't fit in fridges in bars, but now you're putting it back in 440ml cans. But I know that was a limited release. You know, it's it's predominantly still available in, in 330ml. Yeah, but, but they've proven they can
1: they do 330 cans all the time. Yeah. But then the Formbridge beer box will have the 8% Double Green Mountain in a 440
0: can. You know, and again. Why is that one in the 440? Because that's what the market expects. The market expects a New England IPA to come in a 440 milk can.
1: Well, this, this bit of the market would prefer it to come in a 330, because it's and not just because of the style. It's also because you're not always guaranteed to be sharing it. I do want, if I am having a few beers at home, I might want to try a variety of beers, but I do. I'm still going to be conscious about the literally the amount of liquid I'm going to be drinking. And that's two for, what, 440? Rough two-thirds of a pint. Two-thirds of a pint of an eight percent beer is quite a lot. You'd yep. think tw- you'd perhaps think twice when I was in Berlin in the two craft places we went to the three of us agreed, whatever beers we're having, we're just going to stick with the 0.3. So we were just ha- literally having a third. So um, and also I made the, I made sure I made the, didn't make the mistake of getting my thirds of liters mixed yeah, up as well. Yeah. Don't do that shit again, Martin. That's
0: but that's what I quite enjoyed at the weekend was being able to go into a into a range of different bars and, and actually being able to dictate what size I wanted to drink in those bars. So in, in, in some pubs, you know, if I go back to the Bluebell and their Bluebell IPA, the session IPA, I wanted that in a pint because it was absolutely delicious. But if I went down the road, um, we, we went in, there was a sort of craft bottle shop that you could drink in that they, they had a double espresso coffee stout only wanted a third of that it was only six and a half percent but i still only wanted a third of it so that's what i chose but with with the cans you are very much restricted it's 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 still 440 dominant at the moment i think it's great that utopian have have taken a stance here and put the Doppelbock in a in in, in a smaller can
1: oh i definitely agree i mean it does segue quite nicely into that side of it and i do i would like that as an option on on my beer purchasing so you know i I, i'm not i don't know the cost behind it but i know the cost to me as a consumer and that plays a part in my buying choices and i would rather perhaps things like the formbridge beer box maybe had a few more cans but some of them were smaller sizes now i don't know whether they don't like doing that too much because maybe that puts people in mind that these are supermarket beers i don't know what it might be. Um, it's nice to, it's nice to see that Brew York have done saying similar with a few of their beers recently. That would be an emerging trend for me It's giving us a little bit more, a few more options again on those, on those pours on the, on the sizes of the, the beers we buy, not just at home, but when we do go out, you know, I would still like to have those options a little bit more. And, uh, places are better than they used to be. And also a bit of a rant here, but if you're going to do half pints of beer, please don't put them in those small conical half pints. I, I, I
0: knew you was going to
1: say about that. because <laughs> They probably, seem smaller as well, don't they?
0: They seem smaller. They look
1: dreadfully ugly. Um, yeah. And that you know it, that probably puts me off having a half pints. Maybe it's a wonderfully cunning plan to stop me having half pints of cast beer. Just give me a nice glass. If I ask for a, a half or a third of your keg, you could be a lovely glass for that. Why'd you give me a shit glass for your half pint of cask? I don't, I don't understand.
0: Yeah. So, are you seeing? Is, is there anything else that you're seeing at, at the moment, or, or you think's you think's coming down the line, in in terms of what, where we're going for the rest of this year, in terms of some of the beer trends? Um, I do think we are going to see a
1: bit more. I think we've got to have a bit of a leveling off of maybe the thicker really juicy beers especially on on tap i think you're going to have more a bit of the hazy and there is going to be more to coin matt's phrase pin bright beers i think it's going to be more clarity in beers i think it feels like that's what people are after and again that could be me sort of half wishing uh as much as anything else but that's what it feels like to me um what, what i saw at the
0: weekend don't Hold your breath, mate. Don't uh, hold my breath on that one, eh? Uh, there was there was one place I only had eight lines and seven of them were hazy beers. Okay, so and the name of that place is
1: somewhere for for us to avoid in the future.
0: Yes. Uh okay. the, the, the eighth beer, people that followed me on uh Twitter over the weekend and my check-ins, the eighth beer was a Belgian beer that we had, and it was far too cold, you could hardly taste it. Uh
1: that's a shame. But
0: yeah, yeah. So, like
1: I said, maybe that is partly me sort of wishing. Um, and really paying attention to what other people are saying, but that would be where I'm sort of seeing it going a little bit. Um, but yeah, I'd probably have to defer to what Mark said. And when I have been out and about in the UK, I'm not seeing much changing in the places that I go to. In the variety, um, certainly in the you know the option of the different types of car spares. So, yeah. Like I said, I feel like there is a bit of a clarity thing going on. Some of these other styles that people have been talking about, cold IPAs and a few other ones, I don't really get. I'm, I'm really hard to try and work out the difference between a cold IPA and an IPL.
0: Feels a bit gimmicky to me. Feels a bit brute IPA to, to, to me, if I'm going to be honest. But... No, I suppose. Like I said, part, like I said, might have been maybe just
1: a half wishing. I think we are seeing a little, maybe it's because I'm sort of seeing or noticing a bit more on the West Coast IPA style of beer. And that's where, obviously, you're definitely going to be very clear. There's going to be clarity, that kind of stuff. Uh, But what about yourself? I mean, you said that you weren't seeing so much of it at Yule, but have you spotted anything else anywhere?
0: Possibly more so what I'm seeing online. And what I listened to in, in, in some other podcasts as well. Um, and, and it very much lends itself to what one of the comments said said here. So the comment from Chris Clough, um, who said, where drinkers just want new beers rather than reliably good beers, this kind of one and done culture is really beginning to piss me off because. It's, it's forcing breweries into a position where they're constantly having to release new beers to keep up with people who want to collect stickers for a sticker book, basically. And I think the, the evidence that we have of Utopian saying they're not releasing Rainbok this year, which is an accomplished beer. It's absolutely brilliant on every level, but they're not releasing it because people want something new. I'm just I'm bored with that sort of culture. I'd I'd like to see a consolidation of breweries really focusing on a solid core range of, of beers that they have absolutely nailed in terms of their style and how they present them, and going back to them time and time again, rather than constantly tasting the next new shiny thing. Do you think we're part of the problem then? Possibly, because I mean, well. I, I don't. I don't know if we're part of the problem. for For the sake of the podcast, we will probably try to avoid drinking the same beer twice, because listeners don't want to listen to us reviewing the same beer twice. Martin but, drinks Scotch this week. Steve drinks <laughs> Diapor. <all>. Exactly, <laughs> but I know both you and I are creatures of habit and if those two beers that you mentioned are perfect examples if we walk into a bar and there is ghost ship or jaipur on a pump clip we're going to order those beers or if there's kernel we're going to order that beer we're not going to necessarily go in and chase the next big thing the next new thing and and yeah i mean for for me at the weekend like I say, I came out of that, that that place that had the eight lines and seven of them were, seven of them were hazy and I walked into the next, the next one and that's where there was hobgoblin on cask. I couldn't have been a happier pig in its proverbial shit at, at that point because that was what I wanted. I wanted something that I knew, something that was reliable and something I knew was going to taste good. I didn't want to see seven lines of exactly the same beer. That's really curious how... Let's use
1: Utopian because Rich did say it on the on the launch. How do they? Where do they get this feel and this information from? But this is what drinkers want. Is it because places don't want to stock it, so they they're already getting this feedback from the places that stock their beers? Is it last year? Maybe the the rainbow didn't sell as well the second year round. So what what is it you use? To understand that people do want, to. I've heard it about bars. We've heard it said before. Sometimes the easiest thing is for a new brew, a new beard, to go to a bar. The hardest thing is to keep the tap.
0: It's got to be sales, hasn't it? I mean, you know, let's take Red Danson for for example. The, all of the feedback on that beer is what is is that it was delicious it what people it's what people wanted it's what they had missed they loved it but yet it didn't sell so so, so, so Lee and Brew York couldn't commit to re-brewing that to sell it again because it didn't sell and it's it's so frustrating and, and I get and I get that, okay, I'll put this out in an I get that there's a percentage of our listeners now that are probably going to disagree with everything I've just said and, and the discussion that we've just said. And, and you know what? If, if that's you, then it, it's great that you enjoy chasing new beers. And, and I love it that that's what you enjoy doing. I don't. And, and I don't need the breweries that I enjoy drinking to constantly give me a new beer every week. I'd, I'd just rather them focus on the ones that I like Actually, and and to stop chasing trends because not everybody's good at brewing every beer, so just focus on the stuff that you're good at.
1: Uh, I, I I agree with you to a point. I mean, I definitely agree that I, I I what I would say is I don't want uh, your specials, seasonals, experimentals to come at the expense of your core range if that's what you already do really well. So, I wouldn't want to see, you know. The pills now from Utopian dropped because they can't fit it in because you know the the special which they're going to do for like four weeks is going to put it to one side. Oregon Trail has to take a back seat for six months because they've got to bring out five or six other ones. If you can do some other stuff
0: as well, then I've got no. I mean, innovation should never stop. No, and no, you used you used a good example there in terms of Oregon Trail because. I would say Andy and Elusive are a brewery that do release a lot of new beers and it, you very rarely see the same beer released very frequently. However, he has openly said at the beginning of this year that he had to completely rewrite the year's brew schedule because of the demand for Oregon Trail. Yeah. So I think that's part of it as well. It's like what do your core stuff?
1: And if you're getting that right, then I've got no problem with the other the other side of it. Uh, but I suppose, and this is where I am a little bit fickle, I prefer trying my new stuff at home, being able to buy maybe a small pack version of it. I'm definitely much more the creature of habit when I go out.
0: I definitely. Am. I, I, I am very much these days. And like I say, I drank a lot of cask beer. In, in york uh, at the weekend and most of that cask beer was bitter or it was session ipa and it was stuff that i wanted to go to again and again and again i think
1: for new drinkers people coming either new beer drinkers or people coming into this uh fresh then some of those things will draw them in the new beers the big beers you know the rhubarb and custard uh, the, the pastry stouts, the, the Snickers that was referred to earlier, those kind of beers will occasion, will a lot of the time draw people in. So I think there, there has to be a recognition that there are different people who want different things. And yes, but I, what I, I do want is always to be quality. Don't rush it. Don't cock it up. Don't put it out, as we said before. But yeah, I think because when I'm out, generally the beer is going to cost me more than when I'm at home. And that's probably why I then default to being a creature of habit because I go, see Colonel, rarely, if ever, am I disappointed? If I am having ghost ship, dry poor landlord to name free. If you've served me a bad pint, I will know. And I will go back to you and say, you've served me a bad pint, Cause mm. I know that beer. If it's brand new to me, I might expect the same wrong, bit. it's really, I think it's quite hard for me to then be eloquent enough to challenge it. But, People are spending a lot of money on beer these days, locally as well as in London and the big cities. And you've got to make those beers of a high quality. And it's much easier for me to spend money on those beers I know and trust.
0: But, but also, if, if you are a pub or a bar, give the drinker a bit of variety for fuck's sake. Don't, don't give me seven lines of the same style of beer. You've, you've got You've got eight lines to play with. At least mix it up a little bit so that there's there is a bit of variety on there oh i agree because, uh, sh- because uh, sh- not everybody wants to drink a hazy parallel out and
1: there's only so many you can drink in a go um you know have a dark beer have a lager have a pail and then if you want to i don't know if, if because you know that those sell and you want to have four of them go ahead but yes seven of them and then a belgium ale which is served so too cold that ain't gonna work is it
0: no not not really um I mean, that's ended off ended up going in a slightly different direction us is it? No, no, not <laughs> at all. Um, But there's going to be quite a few opposing views on this one and folks don't ever be afraid to challenge us on what we're saying. If your view is different from ours, tell us use the hashtag opinions and, and tell us what you think on this one in terms of emerging beer styles and, and also kind of this this one and done culture that we're seeing. Is, is this a good thing? For, for for the industry or do we need to start tapering in tapering it in a little bit i don't know about you but why we were <laughs> going through that sort of rant there the the, the
1: doppelbock did just go oh uh, yeah i'm grateful it's in a 330 because i reckon i probably would have drank the extra 110 on top of that while we were having our tangent conversation quite easily yes yeah uh, yeah, really nice. I, uh, I could definitely get that feel of where you were going for with the vintage ale, especially as it warmed up in the glass as well. Um, yeah, plenty of fruit flavors, and again, doesn't ima- it doesn't immediately smack of being a lager?
0: Absolutely not, but um,
1: delicious nonetheless. Yeah, it is accomplished. So I, you know, I've uh, in the last year there's three excellent variations of the box style. Really enjoyed them and if that was a bit of an emerging trend bring it
0: on stick with the 330 can though yeah and i i say anything above 7.5 you don't you don't need that extra 110 sometimes not
1: if you not, i mean when it's uh, uh you know when we're talking about like a, a bomber or a 750 then you know that you want to keep that and you're going to share it yeah but just give us those options. to be honest put the same beer in a 440 and a 330 so that people who want the full 440 can have the full 440 and those who want the 330 i don't really care how you get your head around it i would just like the option sometimes to spend maybe a little bit less buy a bit more and also
0: i am conscious about the amount of liquid i'm putting away that's quite a good note to start wrapping up on this week actually I just want to say at this point, many thanks to Rich from Utopian for sending us these beers. Although we've said a couple of times they they were for uh, the launch of the, the Doppelbock, we did hold them back to do on this show. And I'm glad we've done that, actually, because, again, it's it's two new beers from Utopian that we've not had before. And again, them kind of flexing their muscles in terms of, hey, you see this style of lager? Look what we can do with it and that's great to see it's great to see that innovation it's equally as great to see them still committing to using english ingredients and hops as as well which is which is fantastic because some of the flavors that they've brought out from ingredients that i know both you and i have questioned questioned in the past (laughs) yes what's coming up on our next show well in a bit of a bombshell apples we're doing cider steve I'm really, I'm, I really still don't know if I'm down for this.
1: So, uh, a few people may be aware of the ciderologist Gabe Cook, um, another TV star who wants to talk everything about apples. And Steve and I have got a little selection of ciders that he's recommended, all good to go. So, do you remember people that that Steve Sourface
0: could be making a revisit? I can't wait. (laughs) Thanks to everyone for listening this week. Thanks for joining us once again. And we will look forward to sharing more things with you very, very soon. Cheers, cheers.